You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What is up, draft fans? Matt Mello Connor here on Stick to Football Live in the Bleacher Report app or just Stick to Football if you're listening in podcast form. We appreciate everybody. Today's show is going to be a fun one. We're going to take a nice, light, loose, relaxed look back at the 2020 draft class with our best picks, best landing spots, best values, biggest shocks, and our favorite undrafted free agents. But as always, leave your questions and comments right here below in the Bleacher Report app. At the end of the show, we will answer some of them. And you know, that new theme song sounds good. I'm still a fan of it. Still a fan of the theme we song. We really thought a lot more people would take note of the new theme song. Uh, there are at least two-thirds vote on the not liking the theme song. Yeah. Yeah. I like the new one, though. It's I very like good. Yeah. Good work to our guy, Sean. I think the distraction of us becoming a show, the schedule change, the theme song just flew a little bit under the radar for a couple weeks there. Probably probably should have staggered it. I do want to ask one question before we get into our first segment, breaking down some of these picks. How many hours did you each sleep Saturday night? I slept for 10 and a half hours when the draft ended, and it was not enough. Yeah, I think I, got, I pulled a good nine and a half hours. Which is like out of the norm. I don't sleep much. I'm not one of those people that requires a lot. So yeah, nine and a half was great for me. There we go. Yeah, it was nine and a half for me as well. I didn't send the alarm, which is rare for me. And guys, I woke up at 11.15, which I can't tell you <laughs> the last time I slept till 11.15. I was like, where am I? What day is it? What's going on? Uh-huh. But it feels good and I'm ready to go. Yeah, ready to go, ready to break down the 2020 class all week. Over the next couple weeks, actually, we will be doing that, looking back at a deep dive on the 2020 class. Today's show is all about the superlatives, though. We're going to talk about best landing spot, value. And let's start there, Mello, with the best landing spot. We told you pre-draft we were going to do this because sometimes a guy's ranking changes once you know where he lands. Uh, Mello, your best landing spot. Take it away. I'm going to go with the running back position. I feel like three of these guys really landed in a great spot. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think Jonathan Taylor landed in a great spot. I don't know if any of them landed in a better spot than what J.K. Dobbins did. Going to the Ravens and that offensive line and that style of football, I think they got the perfect fit for what they want at a running back. You look at Mark Ingram and how he's able to run between the tackles with power and speed. Well, look at there. Look at J.K. Dobbins do it. I think that he's going to be the next Mark Ingram. Like as soon as he landed to the Ravens, I had to look and check. Like, did I, did I comp this guy to Mark Ingram? Because I should have. He, he's the next Mark Ingram. I think he's going to be just a shoe in fit there. You can run both these guys at the same time for a while it won't be too long before jk is taking full-time carries though and uh, we see an aging mark ingram kind of taking that secondary role 
I'm excited to watch that entire Ravens class, not just J.K. Dobbins. But when I look at best landing spot and rookie running backs, I have to go with Jonathan Taylor going to the Colts here, guys. When you look at J.T.'s running style, that downhill, straight-line breakaway speed with power and the ability to catch the ball that we saw this year, as you see right here, I think he's going to be an absolute superstar for the Colts, especially running behind a guy like Quentin Nelson. They have a certain kind of player they want in that Colts franchise, a tough-minded, workhorse player. And I think when you look at J.T., yes, they have Marlon Mack there, a guy that was fighting a hand injury last year, and that cost him to miss some time. They don't have to worry about that anymore. They'll get Marlon Mack involved, somebody that went over a 1,000 yards. But Jonathan Taylor, the new bell cow back that I think is just going to absolutely thrive in that offense. Yeah, Marlon Mack might not be getting that second contract in Indianapolis after they picked up JT6000 in the 2020 draft. My best, I just made that nickname. Can you imagine though, like, first as a defender, you have to deal with Quentin Nelson. And then if you manage to sneak by him or avoid him, then you have to go tackle a six foot, you know, 225 pound Jonathan Taylor. Good luck to the AFC South. Who ran a 439. He's pretty fast as well. All right. My best value or best landing spot, excuse me, best landing spot in the draft. The Dallas Cowboys shocked us all. We thought they'd go D-tackle, thought they might go corner, would have understood a linebacker even. Jerry sitting on his yacht says, nope, we're just taking a wide receiver because we want Dak to have weapons. Sorry, Green Bay Packers. CeeDee Lamb goes to the Dallas Cowboys in the first round. Never will I have ever rooted for an Oklahoma Sooner like I will CeeDee Lamb in Dallas because this man, he was Connor's number one receiver. He was my number three receiver, but this landing spot, like this could be rookie of the year type impact, especially if they make a playoff run. With Dak Prescott, with Mike McCarthy, he is an ideal fit. Andy can play in the slot. My biggest complaint with CeeDee Lamb was, I don't know if he can beat press coverage. He might have to play in the slot. Guess what he's going to do, Mello? Play in the slot with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup on the outside. So this is a big CeeDee Lamb fan club on this podcast, and he goes to an excellent spot. Now, best value, Mello. Who is the best value pick based on where you had them rated and where they went? I think there are a lot of good value picks in this draft, but I'm going to go hats off to the Arizona Cardinals. And it's not the Isaiah Simmons love that you probably thought you were going to get from me. I'm going to go with the tackle position. They're able to pick up Josh Jones, a guy that we thought might go 18th overall to the Miami Dolphins. Josh Jones slid to the third round, and they were able to pick him up. This guy who might be a plug-and-play starter for them. Uh, we knew they wanted to target offensive line, thought they might do so in the first round, seven overall. They don't have to. They're, they're able to get a guy very late in this process that can be a starter, at least has time to develop. I, I think that he's a shoo-in for the best value of this entire draft. I can't believe he was still there. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm not even picking a player. I'm talking about the entire draft class. And when you have Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison at linebacker, that is phenomenal. Justin Matabuke, a guy that can shoot gaps. You talked about it earlier with J.K. Dobbins. They just got value across the board. But this guy right here, Patrick Queen, had no business falling to Baltimore. I know a lot of people like the Jordan Brooks pick for Seattle. Patrick Queen was the better player in my eyes. And I'm sure the Ravens were very excited to see a great cover linebacker fall to them, a guy with a ton of range and closing speed, sideline to sideline ability. I just, I'm absolutely floored how long this guy stayed on the board. I thought he was the best linebacker in this class if you viewed Isaiah Simmons as a safety. So for the Baltimore Ravens, they knocked this one out of the park on the value scale. We talked about it on the draft show, Connor, we did with Adam Lefko, the first LSU player ever drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. They've got a really good one. And Patrick Queen. Good one to choose. We got, got to mention, 
hook them horns. Devin Duvernay goes there as well. So they got a ton of value. The Ravens do this every year. They draft better than everyone else. Don't even get mad about it. My best value pick, Zach Bond was number 32 on my big board. He lasted until 74. The New Orleans Saints pick him up. There was a time in mock drafts where I thought they might take him at 23 overall. I think Zach Bond fell a little bit because kind of a one-year wonder at Wisconsin. And there are questions. Where is he going to play? Why can't he do that? He can line up on the edge. He can stack. He can drop in coverage. We saw it at the Senior Bowl as well. But you're getting a guy who's a former walk-on, is a very, very good athlete. And I like that they're going to play him a little bit of everywhere. They have Demario Davis. They don't need him to be a middle linebacker. They have Trey Hendrickson and Marcus Davenport. They don't need him to be a true edge rusher. They're just going to find places for him to play. That game would have been fun to play. That looks looks amazing. I love playing that game. Right, the white uniforms in that aren't fair. So that is my best value pick in this year's draft. Now, how about best day three? Because a lot of times we get caught up in the hype of the first round. We get caught up in the hype of the second round. But day three is where teams are built. Mello, what was your favorite day three pick? Yeah, you guys talked about it on the stream, too. Like, Super Bowls are won with what you do in those third rounds, your second day, day three guys. And I think my favorite pick here is Colby Parkinson, a guy I was very high on throughout this process, six foot seven tight end coming out of Stanford. He lands with the Seattle Seahawks. And I love that fit because now you give Russ another big target. You got him DK last year. Now you get him a big target. You saw tight ends get injured for these guys this year, and they needed somebody. I He has questions. Will he be a blocker? I don't know. I think that's going to take some time. He's going to have to develop. He's going to have to get quite a bit stronger. But when you just want a guy that can go up over the middle and get the ball – he can do it. And they got him as a late round value. I really think that he can come in and, and be an immediate production guy. I, I won't go as far to say, you know, watch him in your fantasy drafts or a Pro Bowl pick or anything like that. But I do think that Parkinson is going to come in and contribute very early for that offense. My best day three team here, guys, it had, they had two picks. The Las Vegas Raiders, they only had two picks on day three, and I thought they did the best because they got two starters. John Simpson, the guard out of Clemson, a plug-and-play player with a ton of power, and Amik Robertson. I had him 51st on my board. I thought he was the best slot corner in this draft. And you want to talk about ball skills, tackling, feisty, great demeanor, everything a guy like Mike Mayock looks for in a player to jump into his secondary right away. I just love the turnovers this guy creates. He's extremely scrappy. He can play in press coverage. I think he only fell because of his size, because when you look at the talent that was on the field, uh, he was a great player, not just a one-year wonder, but for years in that program. So I thought they absolutely knocked it out of the park as they take on that move to Las Vegas. You guys will enjoy this. I had him rated three spots lower than the corner they took in the first round. I was so going to say, great value. outside of our net, I had, really a, the I had him 45 had spots higher. <laughs> wow. So, well, there you go for the Oakland Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. I'm never going to get used to that. My best value on day three, my favorite day three pick, I should say. Connors Jets get Bryce Hall, 66 on my big board, falls to one. 58. We know there's questions about the ankle injury, but before he got hurt, he was playing at the rate of a second or third round corner for Virginia. The size is there. The technique is there. I know he's not that fast, but look at the instincts. The length is exceptional. I think he's a perfect fit for Greg Williams' defense, and he could be the number one corner for the New York Jets as soon as he's healthy. He is that type of player, and they had that type of need. I thought the Jets... James Morgan in round four was a little bit of a question mark. I thought the rest of the Jets draft class was very, very good this year, attacking need, getting value, and 
starting to lay the foundation of what they want the philosophy of that team to be. So big fan of what Joe Douglas did in his first draft class. Don't forget, guys, leave your draft on draft questions in the comments here. We will answer those at the end of the show. And today's show is sponsored by Jake from State Farm, not Jake from the Georgia quarterback who slid all the way to the fifth round before being picked by the Buffalo Bills. Much like the constant cuts to Jake Fromm's living room as soon as he realized he would not be drafted Friday night, State Farm will be there for you, good times and bad. And just like Jake Fromm, offers an entirely different skill set from Josh Allen. State Farm offers both home and auto insurance. When Josh Allen misses a few plays because he runs like he isn't six foot five, Jake Fromm will be there to add relief. And when you need home and auto help, Jake from State Farm will be there to add the same relief. Thanks to State Farm, thanks to State Farm, not Jake Farm, for sponsoring Stick to Football. All right, y'all. Don't forget, I can't get through that. I'm glad you fun. have to do right? those and not me. Right? It's hard to not laugh and read at the same time and be funny. Now, superlatives part two, gentlemen. This is where things get fun. We talked about best landing spot, the most value, maybe your favorite day three pick. What about biggest impact? Who's the guy from this draft class you want to put that red star next to and say, he is going to make plays. This is going to be your Nick Bosa, your Josh Allen. Who is your impact player, Melo? Uh, surprise, surprise here. I'm I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course. And I'm going with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who you had running back two. Two. I think where he finished. And I like him. I had him running back five. Forget about that. I'm changing, <laughs> and it doesn't matter anymore because this is a great fit. And honestly, if any of these five running backs would have went to the Kansas City Chiefs, they would have become running back one, not because the fandom, but because that offense is just ready to have an impact running back. You look at what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can do, and the comparison already to a guy like Brian Westbrook, where Andy Reid's already saying he's he's better than Westbrook. I mean, this is going to be a very good weapon for them, and, and I really think that he's going to be used in a lot of different ways. It's not just going to be, hey, you're in the backfield, you can catch the ball pretty well out of the backfield. I think that he is a guy for our guys to watch. Fantasy drafts, plug your ears, Matt, but I'm probably going to be picking this guy up. <laughs> I think that he can come in and he can catch north of 50 balls easily as a rookie in this offense. Yeah, 55 last year at LSU. Yes, no problem here. No doubt. I'm going to go with a Super Bowl contender over in the NFC, and that's the Dallas Cowboys getting C.D. Lamb in round one. This is unfair here, guys. When you look at this Dallas offense, we're talking impact. I'm not just talking about the box score. I'm talking about impact on the entire offense. This puts less pressure on less defenders in the box for Ezekiel Elliott. Less defenders, you know, bracketing Amari Cooper, less worrisome about Michael Gallup. When you look at what C.D. Lamb does to that offense now, it's tough to pick who you're going to stop. Who are you going to choose? Because he's going to beat you in one-on-one scenarios over and over again. So to add to a strength, which was really great, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, really dynamic wide receiver duo. They probably don't get enough credit in the NFL or reputation is that you get cd lamb into that bunch it helps the run game helps the red zone passing game and it opens up all options for dak prescott yeah and some broadcasts don't even know that michael gallup plays for them so he's obviously going to be important and amari cooper no guaranteed money in his contract after 2021 so cd lamb could be a huge impact not just this year but in the future my biggest impact guys is isaiah simmons going to the arizona cardinals the number eight Overall pick in this year's draft. We've said it before. What do you need him to do? Yeah, that's what he's going to do. George Kittle at tight end? All right. Isaiah Simmons is going to cover him. You have to worry about Russell Wilson at quarterback? Isaiah Simmons is going to spy him. He's going to play everywhere. Whatever the Ra- the Rams are going to do offensively, I don't know if they have any offense, but Isaiah Simmons is going to take all that away. Poor Cam Akers. Poor, is just yeah, done. Uh, poor Jared Goff is just done. I-, I love Isaiah Simmons.
Simmons. I think we were all huge fans of his on the show. But that versatility, I do think that this defense is going to know how to use him. Vance Joseph is a very good defensive coordinator. He's going to line him up in all the different ways you're seeing him used here. Rushing the quarterback, spying the quarterback, covering tight ends and man coverage. But don't forget, you have Buda Baker, you have Pat Pete, and you have Chandler Jones. This Cardinals defense, coming from a Niners fan, is very, very legit and one that we are going to have to worry about. So those are our biggest impact players what moment, though, fellas, was the biggest shock to you? I know there were a couple on Thursday night, uh, not maybe as many as we expected, but there were a couple where we were left shaking our heads. I think there were even more on day two. Mello, start us out here. What was your most shocking moment from the draft? I think for me, I'm going to pair up with our buddy Adam Lefko here. I just I don't know what the Eagles were doing with their pick of a receiver in the first round here. Jalen Rager, all the speed in the world, a great guy. But you needed a receiver that could catch. A lot of the struggles that the Eagles had last year is that they couldn't find a guy that could catch the football. And when you look at Jalen Rager, there's a lot of drops in his game. You can see him. He can separate. Uh, he can take the top off the defense. But is this another Nelson Aguilar that can get open, that can get separation, but can't quite bring in the catch? So I'm wondering what they're doing, especially with a guy like Justin Jefferson available. We all thought just Justin Jefferson would be an Eagle uh, by the end of Thursday night. He fell into their laps. For some reason, they passed on him. And they take a receiver that I don't know that any of us had graded as a first-round guy. I know a lot of people like him, a lot of athleticism. I just can't pass up Justin Jefferson. So that one really left me scratching my head. It's tough to have to do this, but I have to double down on the Eagles Ooh. here, guys. Oh, there I want to make go. this clear. I like the pick of Jalen Hurts. And if you're Howie Roseman, you brought this team a Super Bowl, so it's hard to come at the king. But when you look at this situation – it was stunning. I mean, we're all sitting here wondering, how are they going to use Jalen Hurts? He's somebody that is always going to push to start. I think with his kind of talent, he has starter talent eventually. He's an exciting player to watch. Carson Wentz is a great player and is making a lot of money. He's not going anywhere else. So this pick just caught me by surprise. Now, if you're Howie Roseman, I don't know. Maybe Eagles Twitter is crazy. Maybe you can make a burner account and try to calm those nerves, make them a little happier, a little more calm about this pick. But I'll tell you what, when this name got read, I was shocked. But I'm excited to see how they use them. The cry Eagles cry hashtag was one of the funnier moments of the draft. And I'm sorry, Lefko, I hope you're watching. Sorry that we're piling on your team. Let's make fun of another fan base that will probably uh, be in our mentions very, very quickly. The Las Vegas Raiders. I said it earlier. Amik Robertson, I had three spots lower than your first-round pick. When they took Damon Arnett in the first round, I was legitimately surprised. Totally expected them to go corner. Trevon Diggs was on the board. A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell just got off the board, but Jalen Johnson was there. Amik Robertson was in Ohio State. It took him five years to be good at Ohio State. Like, he was never the guy there. And I know they have its DBU. They got a lot of corners there. But our guy, he was never the man. Four, five, six, 40-yard dash. 30-inch arms, that is not a combination for a first-round pick. I respect the hell out of Mike Mayock. I love that he goes to these big programs and gets high-level producers. You took a 24-year-old quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, who's not fast and he's not long, and he's you're expecting him to be your number one corner. Did not understand that pick at all. Now, all three of these, I will say, collectively, we hope they prove us wrong because there's nothing better than being proven wrong when it's because a player ends up better than you expected. Now, how about your favorite UDFA? I saw a stat the other day, 17 undrafted free agents in the Hall of Fame, 14 first-round picks in the Hall of Fame. So, undrafted free agents, as important as any other position, any other round. Guys, who's your favorite UDFA? I'll start with a guy out of Texas. And I know that a lot of people are saying, Melo, you're going Chiefs, you're going Texas, you're a homer. I'm very hard on the Texas guys, and me and Matt were even having a conversation earlier today about one of their quarterbacks for next year. 
But Malcolm Roach is a very good defensive lineman. He's not getting drafted because he played out of position at Texas. He got to Texas at 265 pounds, and they said, we're going to play you at linebacker. And I don't know what the hell they were thinking when they did this, because uh, this man grew up, and he's a 290-pound, 5-pound, 300-pound defensive lineman. He can play some football. He was positionless at Texas, though. They didn't know where to use him at. So I'm hoping that he can find a home in New Orleans and a position that they just say, all right, we know what you are. We know how to use you. Now go stop people. Because Texas never did that for him. And a four-year starter, great player, great athlete. Hopefully he can find a position, and hopefully New Orleans can keep him there. I'm going to go with somebody the Lions got, which is a little shocking that they got this lucky at tight end after taking one in round one last year. It's Hunter Bryant from Washington, but a very different tight end in a sense from TJ Hawkinson. I think when you look at Hunter Bryant's game, He's going to be a move tight end at the next level, guys. He's somebody that was a really good pass catcher, a really athletic pass catcher on the field for this Huskies offense. I think he just gained too much weight and really too much muscle. It's not bad weight. He looked rocked up at the combine, but it slowed him down. And that really hurt his numbers here, guys. I think he's a great pass catcher. I think he's a ideal number two tight end that you can get working up the seam. You can get him involved in the red zone. He gives you a lot after the catch. So for the Lions, this is not just your typical UDFA signing. I had the guy as a top 100 player. I think he can make an impact this year as a rookie. Yeah, Hunter Bryant, and he told us on this exact podcast that he thinks he might play some fullback. So he could be moved around uh, for Detroit, wherever they want to line him up. My favorite UDFA, and he was my top-ranked player that did not get drafted. That Stanford Samuels the third from Florida State. Week before the draft, I had a scout reach out, and he was like, hey, you're way too high on that guy. I was like, you know what? Don't care. Love the way he plays. I will happily be wrong about where he's drafted because I'm projecting how good he's going to be in the NFL. 6'1", 187. I know he doesn't have great speed at 4'6'5", but I love the tenacity that he plays with, and I love that length. Going to the Green Bay Packers, obviously they're great with Jair Alexander on one side, but he's going to compete with players like Kevin King and Josh Jackson who have not lived up to their draft stock for that other corner spot I like Stanford Samuel's ability to be that long corner who can run with big physical wide receivers down the field. Know the speed is a question mark, but again, a huge, huge fan of the way he plays. I will not be surprised if he makes the roster. And that's what we're betting on here. Guys who are in ideal spots to make the roster and have an impact, if not year one, but eventually in their careers. Maybe the greatest moment of the draft was Belichick's dog, like making the picks with Nick Casario. I have been Googling miniature Huskies for like a day now. So the advertising worked. If you listen to the show all the time, you know, if you put something on my TV, I will buy it. If you also put questions in our mailbag, we will answer them. Our first draft on draft question from Wyatt Charter. Boys, of all the wide receivers drafted, who is primed to be the most productive this year? Mellow than Connor, then I'll come back and, and pick who they I'm going to go with Jerry Judy. I, I love what the Broncos did this draft. And, you know, John Elway, we've always said, he can draft every other position. He's just struggled to find a quarterback. He found a quarterback last year. I think Drew Locke is poised for a very good second season uh, with the targets that they have around him. And you have Noah Fant. Uh, you have Cortland Sutton to try to take some attention off Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy can come in much like Calvin Ridley did out of Alabama and be like a 10-touchdown guy as a rookie. I really think this is a great landing spot for him. I almost mentioned him earlier today, but, you know, uh, we get it on the draft-on-draft draft question. I really like what the Broncos did. And giving Drew Locke, their young quarterback, another weapon at receiver, I think, 
think that he's immediately going to be the best receiver out of this class. Yeah, three names come to mind for me here, guys, and none of them were in my top two wide receivers, but it's about landing spot and target share. I think when you look at Henry Ruggs, he's going into a place where he's going to see a high volume of targets, maybe even more than he got at Alabama at times. And then you go to someone like the Niners taking Brandon Ayuk in the first round as well. Uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him as long as he can stay healthy. And I think the last one would actually be my New York Jets with Denzel Mims because he's the number one wide receiver by default here. So when you look at it, yes, Jerry Judy, I think is going to be phenomenal. I'm excited to see what Drew Locke does this year with a player like that. I love CeeDee Lamb as much as anyone, but let's be real. He's the number two or number three guy. So I like the opportunities for Ruggs, Ayuk, and Mims out of the gate. I mentioned I would take someone you guys didn't. How about Justin Jefferson? He's going to be asked to replace Stephon Diggs in Minnesota. We know he's going to get a lot of looks. And my favorite receivers, yeah, CeeDee Lamb, but there's two other good receivers there. Jerry Judy, there's some other good receivers there. Cortland Sutton, they also drafted K.J. Hamler. So a lot of interesting spots. I think Michael Pittman also with the Colts would be one to watch because they do not have a big receiver there. We all love his physicality. All right, second question from M.B. Gentry. If you had to choose a Super Bowl contender based on improvements made in the draft, who is it? Mello cannot pick the Chiefs. Ready, cool. Go. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> uh, I will jump all over that one. Uh, Connor mentioned it earlier. I really think they improved their team very much. I mean, you look at what they did. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb is a great pick, but Trevin Diggs, Neville Gallimore, and then they pick up uh, the center out of Wisconsin to replace the yep, center out of Vietish. Wisconsin. So yep. I, I really think that they nailed every spot that they needed in this draft. I think they really improved, and they're going to make a run at it. I know that a lot of that fan base always wants the Cowboys to come up and be a contender. I think they will be next year. And I think even getting Bradley and I very late in day three is somebody that's yes. actually going to yep. help as a situational pass rusher right away, which is something they needed. I'll actually go with the Vikings, and I'll piggyback off of Matt talking about Justin Jefferson. He's somebody that will give you a lot of production across from Adam Thielen. Also, guys, they got Jeff Gladney in the first round as well, who I think is going to bring a, a ton of tenacity as a cornerback for their secondary that roster's already kind of loaded. It didn't feel like they needed a ton of things, but the priority needs that they had, they addressed with, honestly, high-end talent. Yeah, can I cheat here and take the Baltimore Ravens? I don't know if that's no. cheating, but I'm going <laughs> to do it. The Baltimore Ravens, Patrick Queen, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Matabuke, Devin Duvernay, Lee Harrison, Tyree Phillips, Ben Bredesen, all in my top 120 players. Yeah, they hit. And they're, they're pick 201, James Prochet, like one of the best receive, possession receivers in the draft. Geno Stone in the seventh round, one of the hardest hitters at safety. Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh, congratulations. As soon as you can be together, have a beer. You earned it. All right, last draft on draft question for today from ZM81. What do you make of the Steelers draft class, guys? Quickly? Quickly. Don't like it. Oh, okay. I, I felt like there were a lot of needs here, and they didn't really address a whole lot of them. Claypool, uh, I thought if you wanted a tight end, go get a tight end. If you wanted a receiver, get a receiver. I, I just don't know about it, so no, not a fan. We'll break it down uh, eventually when we get to our divisions. I actually thought they got plenty of value. I think Antoine Brooks, as late as they got him, along with Kevin Dotson, was really, really good drafting. I like Anthony McFarlane, so I feel like they got more juice and size and speed in that skill group as well. So I'm going to disagree with you, Melo. I think the Steelers, when you have limited draft capital like they did, let's not forget, I would count Minka Fitzpatrick in this draft class as well. And you look at all the complementary pieces that they got to draft after that still. I'm expecting a big bounce back year for Pittsburgh. If Big Ben is healthy, uh, that roster is loaded on both sides of the ball. So I really like Chase Claypool. I really like Kevin Dodson, who they got in the fourth round. I was shocked they did not draft a quarterback. 
Mason Rudolph cannot be your backup quarterback. Maybe it's Duck Hodges. Uh, Don't forget, we will be covering every team's draft division by division over the next two and a half weeks here on Stick to Football. So you're going to get a deep dive on the Steelers, the Ravens, everyone else. But we have to take a special moment here to wish our guy Connor J. Rogers Apparently, happy birthday. In the comments in the app, <laughs> at Connor Rogers fan, uh, your fan account. I'm still convinced it's your mom. She said, that, they said, excuse me, happy birthday today. So your new birthday is April 27th. Yep. I know that's not. It's November 6th. I'm a good friend. I know that. But happy birthday today. Yeah, it is not my birthday. And I wish my mom had the skills to run a burner account. That takes a lot of time <laughs> and work. But when you look at it, man. No, uh, I'll take it. If you want to send me gifts, beer, whatever you want to send to me, I will gladly accept it. I believe he is on Venmo. If you look him up. You can send him five bucks for a beer, and uh, or you have. I'm not gonna. Never mind. I almost threw out a name of a company who's not paying us to sponsor them. Never mind. Okay, that is our show today. Follow us on Twitter, and make sure you follow us right here in the Bleacher Report app. Three shows a week. Astic Football Twitter and Instagram. He's at Mello. He's at Connor J Rogers. I am at NFL Draft Scout. This is Stick Football Bleacher Report Live. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We'll be back Wednesday breaking down draft classes. Mm-hmm.